Good morning. You doing good? Good, good, good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Well, it's good to see everybody. I am, uh, my flesh is happy to fast as ever, but honestly, uh, it gets sweet as you fast. The longer you go, the more sweet it gets, and I was enjoying that time, but I'm also looking forward to going back into a fast whenever the Lord directs as well. It'll be very good. So praise God. Um, <clears throat> glory to God. Let me just, uh, let me say something. You know, uh, part of, it's one, it's one thing uh, to worship. It's another thing to draw attention to yourself and away from the Lord. And you have to be mindful of that. Um, it's, we're here to worship God and not, not to draw attention to ourselves. And um, it's very important, you know, now I want you to understand, there's also Michael in the Bible, David's wife, who that worship, uh, he, David was worshiping down the streets and it looked ex extreme, but his heart was 100% pure, but Michael, he, watch this, Michael was embarrassed because of his worship. That's a different thing than drawing attention just, just in that way. You have to be mindful of it. And so, you know, I want everybody in here to be loud, but you have to, you have to be very mindful about how you worship. And then you see how correction comes, okay? All right, hey, every, you're drawing attention to yourself, okay? You're drawing attention to yourself. Let's not do that. Let's put attention on God. And to get mad at that and to take away the attention from God shows the heart of that correction. And you have to, you have to, you always can tell different things with correction. How do people handle correction? You know, let's learn as a body of believers, let's learn how to handle correction well, right? And maybe there's just something that we don't know. Anybody in here got it all wrapped up and they know everything? Anybody? Nobody has it all wrapped up? Then that means there's something that might need to be, I might need to learn, right? All right. Well, if there's something that I might need to learn, then why do I get mad when correction comes? Why do I get upset when correction comes? Instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to take a look at that. I'm going to look at that within myself. And so it's always good. You can tell where somebody's at when they get corrected. And uh, even, even if they get corrected for the wrong reason, you can tell where somebody's at. But it's very important to have the right heart. And uh, I just, you know, the reason I say that is I want you to know. I don't want you to be ignorant about things that go on in the body of Christ. There's an order, and then there's an out of order. And uh, when a very nice question, hey, did you realize, did you realize that you're causing everybody to pay attention to you and not to Jesus. Can we just change the pitch of what you're doing? Worship to change the pitch. That's a nice question. That's not a hard question, and it's an easy one. But you see the heart when that correction comes, and it's important for us as a church to know that. Because here's the thing. At this church, freedom of worship is there, but not freedom to be out of order. And there is a difference between the two. And uh, understand this. That was my call. I said that. When I walked in the door, I heard it. I, I heard it back here. And I said, no, that, that can't stand. I went immediately to George and had a conversation. I said, go handle that, please. And, um, you know, so he did. It wasn't his call. He said what I told him to say. And so I want you to know, because a lot of times people, they assume things and they think,
think that there are certain things going on, and some people think that a certain way is, is right, but it just shows that they haven't grown up in some of the things of God. Again, there's a difference between freedom and distraction, okay? And that's not being harsh. I've been a distraction before, but I had to learn what is in order and what's not. I've seen, I've seen people uh, that have been gone on and been a distraction even in their joy. Remember, the Bible says this, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, right? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, you, what that means is just because I feel this doesn't mean I'm supposed to let it out. But at the same time, just because I don't feel sub- something doesn't mean that I don't need to lift my, lift my voice in praise as well. There's a balance of those things. And if you ever have any question whatsoever, let me know. But I tell you that because we haven't had that situation very often, and I didn't want this uh, congregation to be ignorant about what happened, what what goes on, and what's going on. I want you to be very aware, and I want you to grow in the difference between being a distraction and being in freedom. Amen? And there is a difference, and you can tell. Okay? Uh, there's, a, in other words, worship as loud as you want to, but don't. Don't cause it to make everybody's head turn towards you and away from Jesus. That's a pretty simple rule. Okay, And uh, know this, too. Know this, too. My job as a pastor is to, to have a place where the presence of God can not only come but dwell, can come and dwell. And that place is a place of unity as well, which is why I'm talking to you right now, because I want you to be unified. I want us to be in unity, and the word says to strive for unity, not strive for division. In other words, if I ask, if I said, Chris, I just don't like you, you know, I don't like the way you're sitting there with your legs crossed on there, right? Then, then I just don't like it. And let's say I'm wrong for asking him to sit a different way, right? Then, then I'm wrong, and eventually that's going to come out, but God, he's got to trust the Lord that I'm wrong. And he's got to trust the Lord to correct me, and then I would come back and say that. But if Chris is striving for unity right in that moment, does him uncross <laughs> He just uncrossed his leg. If he's, now watch this. If he's striving for unity, right, is, is he breaking some moral law to uncross his leg? No, that's not breaking some moral law. That's not breaking some part of his worship. He's just sitting differently. Now, if he had a, you know, some chronic pain or something like that where that, that was comfortable and sitting like this, that, that would be something where it'd be a different situation. But that's not the situation. But what he could do when he's striving for unity is he can do that in the mor- moment. He's not breaking some commandment of God. And then later afterwards, we could talk about it. But if I say, hey, I just think you, you know, need to do that, and he storms out, it kind of shows where, where he would be at. Now, he wouldn't do that. He uncrossed his legs even with me making a joke. But you see what I'm saying? It reveals, it reveals, oh, it was just in law only, eh? Not in heart. Just in law only. Yeah, okay, I see it. So what you see, what you see is, while I'm standing there, but when I walk away and my back's turned. See, I've had kids. I've seen that before. Yeah, But you can see if you're striving for unity and it's not breaking some moral law, then what do you do? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. 
But see, when you have an issue, when you have an issue, and there's you know maybe some uh, you know correction that needs to come, and you don't like the correction, and well, if that's the case, then I'm doing this. Then all of a sudden, you see the heart of the issue, right? And you need to know, of course. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna ask those things gently. We're gonna ask them nicely. We're not gonna be rude. That what happened was not rude. Okay, and so you, of course nobody had was privy to the conversation. But what happened was not rude. We're not gonna be rude to somebody, but we are gonna handle spiritual business. And as a pastor, I have a responsibility of that because I want a place where the spirit of the Lord can come and dwell, come and dwell. Right, and so it's it's good for us to make sure that we understand the difference between this, and to know. Also, it's good for you to know. I will I will establish order if it's out of order. Now, why is that? Because that's what love does. Love establishes order if it's out of order. Okay, but he'll he'll do it gently at first, and then forcefully if needed. And we will handle that. So you haven't seen me that too often. Know that, like, I think it, George was the one that went and talked. Uh, it wasn't George's call. It's my call. It's my call. And and now he knows what to do, and he could do that if he did it again without me talking to him, to somebody. Uh, that would still be my call. He's following my previous, uh, my previous direction in that way. But it's my call. And why? Because we create a place where... Everybody can worship. You know, it, the, the argument is, well, I need to be able to worship God how I want to. Well, what about everybody else? If I'm in the middle of worship and there's a piercing scream, what about everybody else? See, that's concern. The Bible says, can, you know, consider others higher than yourself, more than yourself. So that's not considerate of other people. That's just considerate of that. And, you know, it's crossing multiple streams in that way. And it's amazing how just a little bit of an extended volume or a certain pitch can do it. I've seen it in certain cases uh, where I've seen somebody clapping and there's like a sweet presence of God. And all of a sudden they, they get to clapping like that. And it completely breaks the whole atmosphere. I've watched that multiple times. I've seen people that are that are singing. I, and watch this. I've seen people that put the wrong person up on the platform to sing a song, and that person's singing with all their heart, but ain't nobody worshiping because they can't sing. <laughs> nobody's worshiping. And, and I'll tell them, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, I want to sing, and I want to sing a special song. And uh, I'll say, that's great. Can you sing? Because our, our purpose is to lead people into worship, not lead them into plugging their ears. And, and, well, that's cruel. No, that's loving the people that we're called to lead. That's love. That's love. And it's not messing around, you know, with silly things. So, I don't want to stay on it too long, but I want you to know, there's a line, and if it gets crossed, we're gentle. If it continues to get crossed, we'll move to a more forceful approach. And, uh, and that's the real, okay? That, that's the real part of it. And uh, so some people don't like that, and part of the reason they don't like it is because they've not been raised in a place where God rules in their life. They've been raised in a place where they rule, and they have no honor of authority, and that's incorrect, okay?
So a little bit of teaching before we get going this morning. Not to damper on the message because it's going to be a good one. And uh, But I want to give you the pieces so that you know, and I think most everybody here is in agreement with that and understands it. Uh, but here's the, even if you don't understand it, or even if you're not in agreement with you, uh, agreement with it, at least you can see the reasons. I want to give you the reasons why. It's a teaching. It's what a pastor does. It's what a shepherd does. It doesn't just leave us uh, ignorant about things. He grows us. Right? That's his job. And I'm going to have that back. Thank you. So, Amen. Good morning. Are you ready to receive? You going to receive everything God has for you? You going to receive? Glory to God. Amen. You going to receive? You. <laughs> yeah. You going to receive? Amen. Amen. You going to receive? Amen. You going to receive? You going to receive? You going to receive? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You going to receive? Amen. Glory to God. It's always good to get into a place where you are ready to receive. Ready to receive. God has good and great and mighty things, but we got to be ready to receive. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you right now. We give you all of the glory, all of the praise. We worship you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we receive everything you have for us. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We give you all of the glory, and we thank you. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Just lift your hands right now. Father, right now, we receive everything you have for us. Today, our life is changing. Lord, today, we will see things different. Today, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Hey, Crystal, did, didn't I, did I hear you just got a call? You did? <laughs> you were, hallelujah, you were believing for it, right? I'm going to tell you what, we were, I heard that, I was so excited about that. Glory to God. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Come up here real quick. Hallelujah. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Lord, let it be. <laughs> I like it. Just raise your hands. Father, right now, that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. I want to tell you as you go after the Lord and as you put your life on the line, you make your life His life. It's just the beginning. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We are so excited about that. Justin and Rebecca, you just got a house this week. Hallelujah. It's just the beginning. Are you excited about it? Man, amen. Just the beginning. We're not even into February yet. Just the beginning. Just the beginning. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Just the beginning. 
just the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Joy be in her life. Yeah. Amen. I just heard the Lord say as I turned. He said, she'll have more joy than she's ever had. This should be a year of joy. A year of joy. Oh, all that old stuff falling off. A year of joy. <laughs> yeah. See now why I asked you if you were receiving? Are you receiving now? <laughs> a year of joy. Oh, yeah. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Mm. That's precious. Precious. Yeah. See, one thing, too, that you want to watch is follow the anointing. An anointing doesn't get to a place by itself. God has to be the giver. So if we were wrong, we probably have no anointing this morning. Or, or follow the anointing. God shows who he's moving through by the anointing. Not through fake stuff, but by the anointing. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Turn to Luke chapter 15. Now you just stay there as long as you need to and receive, receive, receive. <laughs> receive, receive, receive in Jesus' name. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now see, that's not out of order. That's reception. There's a difference. Amen. Glory to God. Luke chapter 15. Uh, we were in the broadcast this week, which, by the way, whew, man, the Lord poured out. I'll tell you one that really struck me was on uh, Friday, uh, talking about what was that? Where in the world are we? Or what in the world is going on? Oh, man. The anointing dropped in here while we were broadcasting. It was like, wow. I mean, we were, actually Barrett says she had, to, she had the job of wrapping up the broadcast and like telling everybody what's actually happening. She said, I've never had such a hard time not crying. The anointing was so precious. She said, I was doing everything I could just not to cry. So that's what was happening uh, in that broadcast. But we had multiple times this week where it was just really good. And if you're not watching that, Lunch Plus, it's on YouTube and Facebook and everything throughout the week, Monday through Friday. It uh, starts at 11.30, What's the Word happens at noon, and it uh, goes to about 1 o'clock unless the Holy Ghost is moving. Amen. <laughs> you might want, we'll just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> joy of the Lord. The joy is our strength, of course. Uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength, but the joy is a weapon against darkness, a weapon. You know what most believers that have had a hard time have been missing? The joy, the joy. They've been missing the joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I tell you these things so that your joy might be made full. God has a plan for joy in your life. 
And it's important for us to see that, to learn how to flow in it, to learn how to operate in it. And uh, anyway, this week we were talking about, and we got to talking about the prodigal son. And as we talked about the prodigal son, I had a statement come out of me. And uh, the prodigal son saw this. He said, uh, and basically the actions of the prodigal son was this. He looked around at his surroundings and he said, this is not my inheritance, right? And when I said that on the broadcast, it struck a chord. And I said, that's what the message is supposed to be on Sunday. I believe that is what I'm supposed to preach. And so this morning we're talking about this is not my inheritance. In Luke chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 11, we have the prodigal son. It says, uh, he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. In other words, he, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't walking righteously. He was walking in a sinful place. Now what I want you to see is this, is that how, what kind of level of pride is it for a young man to go to his father and say, give me what I deserve now. Give me what I, give me what I deserve now. You know? um, it kind of kinda shows you where he's at and, and it shows you why he's going to have a fall because the word says pride goes before a fall. And so, but then he says, I want mine now. Now, and sometimes you hear that, that kind of thinking in the world today. Do you know where that stems from? Do you know what the root of that kind of thinking is? You know, it's not from God. I'll give you that much. You can figure out the rest. You know, but it's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. And uh, so one of the things that is important to see is let us not be the kind of person that just presses into stuff just because we think we can, right? Let us be the kind of people uh, that actually can, can say, Lord, I believe you for these things. And let the Lord give to us fully in his life. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. Hear that? Say that with me. The Lord wants to give to me all things richly to enjoy. Yes, he does. That's his heart. That's, that's what he wants. He wants to give to me all things richly to enjoy. And so that, that's the father's heart. And you've got to understand in this parable, the father is like, is like our father, the Lord. And uh, it wasn't that he was withholding from his son. His son had everything. Now watch this. What do we see in the garden? What, was, what, was, what happened with Eve? What happened with Eve? She wants what she already has. She already has everything in the Lord. She's already made in his image and likeness. But the devil deceives her into thinking that you don't have enough. Well, if you'll eat this fruit, go against his command, then you'll be like God. She already was like God. She was already made in his image and likeness. She already could know anything she wanted to know just by asking him. She had fellowship with him. She was clothed with his glory. She already was like him. So much so that the angels said, what is man? In other words, what is mankind? The angel, the Bible tells us the angel's like, what is a man? 
What, now, why would they ask that question? Because they looked at what God created and went, wow, what is that? Because they had never seen man before. What is a man? In other words, she already had that, but the devil came in and said, you don't have enough. Eat this and you'll be like him. Anything she wanted to know. You know, you'll eat this fruit and you'll be wise, right? Anything that, that she wanted to know, all she had to do was ask the Lord. That's all she had to do. She already had access. So it's just like this prodigal son. He already had access. We see the heart of the father at the end of the story. He tells the older son, what does he tell the older son? Everything I have is yours. That was his heart from the get-go. The younger son already had it. He already had it. See, the issue wasn't just the stuff. The issue was he wanted to have his own way. Now hear that. He wanted to do it his way. He wanted to have his own way. And this is the issue. That's the element. Same thing with Eve. That's the element of sin. I want to be my own boss. I'm not going to listen to anybody. And you can see how a lack of honor for authority got her in trouble, gets this, this young man in trouble. But here he goes, and I want you to see this. Let's keep on reading. He says, uh, not much later, verse 13, not many days later, the young son gathered everything together, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered or he lost his estate with loose living. Remember what we were talking about uh, at some point? Uh, we've talked about this, that a lot of times when people come into an inheritance or they win the lottery or something like that, it's only a matter of a couple of years. They're worse than they were before. They don't have anything. Uh, why? Because there's a certain way to, to gain things, and it's always God's way. And if you try to circumvent God's way, all you're going to do is find yourself without the character and the ability and the diligence to keep it. Sometimes I've found a lot of people think that the hardest place uh, you know, to live is at the bottom. But here's one thing about the bottom. There's only one way to go, up, right? And there's only one person to believe in at the bottom, God. But when somebody actually starts coming into money or coming into success or coming in, then all of a sudden they have this, I, they can go two different ways, but they also, a lot of times the devil tricks them and makes them think, oh, well, you got this. It's your talent. It's your ability. And then so what we've done many times is, and I've done this, forgotten where that blessing came from. And so what I've found is sometimes it's more difficult. Why do you see people who are successful struggle and have hard times in life? And even people that have a lot of money, they still are down a lot of the times. They're depressed or all of this because they got there by the wrong way. Somebody besides God built their house. See, if God's not the builder, we labor in vain. So in other words, if we don't put God first as the builder of our house, then one of the things that we're going to find out is that I can't build a house like God builds it. And we'll end up losing it. And this young man, he goes out there, he tries to build his own life, tries to do it his way, and what happens? He loses it. It falls to the ground. Many times when people have things or have success, I've found that many people's uh, um, perception is that that's actually harder than when they didn't have anything. I found for me it's kind of been that way. 
uh, I know when Nicole and I, when we were making between both of us less than $15,000 a year, uh, it was easy for us to trust God. What else were we going to do? <laughs> where, else, where else were we going? I mean, it's like, if you don't come through, we, it's ramen noodles tonight, you know? And if you don't come through, it might not be that, you know? That, I mean, we've scrounged pennies, quarters to go buy a pack of ramen noodles. And we've done that, you know? We did that. I can remember. But here's the thing. Then all of a sudden you start having success. You get comfortable in the flesh. You get comfortable there. And all of a sudden you kind of ease off of that faith. Ease off of those things. This goes right in with what we're talking about today. You ease off of this. And before you know it, yeah, you're paying the bills, but you're average. You're living a life of mediocrity. Now let's continue reading here. Verse 14, now when he spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. Oh, good job, spend everything you have and then all of a sudden, now a famine comes. You know, the devil likes to pile on. The devil likes to pile on. Anybody ever felt piled on before? (laughs) He likes to pile on. But let me tell you something. Say it with me. God's got an answer for that. God's got an answer for it. We just preached last week how to have abundance in a famine. How to have an abundance in famine. Did anybody receive from that message? How to have an abundance. You're designed for an abundance. You're designed to be a light in the middle of a famine. And so here it is. The devil's piling on. You know, in all his wisdom, he spent everything. In all his wisdom, he he spent everything, loses everything, does it his way, and then right about the time he spends everything, bam, famine. Oops. Oops. And then it says this. So he went, verse 15, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and the citizens sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, you have to understand who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jews, telling this parable, telling this story. He's talking to the Jews, and one of the worst things that they could ever be around and touch and serve is pigs. And so, you know, it's like, Jesus is like, this is like insult on top of insult, you know. He's He's showing them how bad it can get if we do it our way instead of God's way. And that goes back to what we're talking about with correction. See, the issue with correction is correction, if it's godly, is going to get us back into God's way. It's going to keep us out of these situations. But if we, the Bible says a foolish man will reject wisdom. A foolish man will reject wisdom. And so what we see is if we just, well, the world's taught me to think this way, but the Bible's telling me something else, we got to decide who we're going to serve, this thinking or that thinking. We've got to decide which authority we're going to listen to. Because whether you know it or not, the world's way of thinking, even when they say, well, you do your own thing and don't you know, you know, fight against authority and everything, that is completely opposite of what the Bible says. And so if you listen to that thinking, you're actually placing yourself under a dark authority 
you're placing it under the devil's authority instead of the authority and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. And so which authority is going to rule our life, God or the devil? The devil will, right? And so we've got to make sure that we're saying, I don't care what I've been taught in school. I don't care what I've been taught by the environment, by my friends. I don't even care what I've been taught by pastors, including the one now. If it doesn't line up with God and his word, I'm not listening to it. Because he's the one on the throne of my life. He's the one that I'm following. And if we'll follow him, he'll lead us into the places where the blessings of God can pile up on you. Amen? Like it's going to pile up on Crystal. Just the beginning. The blessings can pile up on you. Can pile up on you. Amen? You want to see this, where those blessings can pile up on you. Now, let's look at this. He says here, He sent him into the field uh, to feed the pigs. 16. And he would have gladly, watch this, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods or the food that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating. I've fed pigs before. I never had that. I never looked at any of their food as I took it out there and went, oh man, I'd gladly fill my stomach with that. That never happened. I looked at it and went, uh-uh. No, no, no. Never have I had that. Imagine the case. And I've been, I've been pretty low before, but I've never been that low. Imagine where this guy was sitting at, looking at the food the pigs are chomping on over there with all their muddy self, stinky, muddy. Mm. I'd gladly eat that. That's where this guy was at. Now, I say that for this reason. What kind of pride took him that low before he woke up? What kind of paying attention to his own flesh took him to the point where he got that low before he would listen and submit to the Father's authority? See, he wanted his own thing. And and it is hunger, it's just the wrong kind. He's hungry after the world's things instead of after God's things. He was so hungry to be the boss of his own life it kept taking him to the point where he didn't wake up until he started looking at pig's food like it would be good. Pig's food looked good to him. That's where it took him. In other words, he, he would fight. Think about this. Think what it took now. He'd have two opinions. You know, you know One part of the word, it says this. How long halt ye between two opinions? In other words, when Elijah was fighting the prophets of Baal, and he was talking to the people. He says, how long are you going to stand here and be torn between God's way and the world's way? How long are you going to sit there? How long are you going to sit there? And so he's sitting there, and I, I want you to see this, because the way that we will the way that we will do is we'll be like, well, this is just the way it needs to be, you know. 
well, this president or that president needs to get into office. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to do something this way. and I'm going to do this or that or whatever. Like, you're doing it the world's way. The world's teaching you that. You handle things spiritually. You handle things spiritually. Part of the issue, we talked about this, you know, uh, this week. What in the world is going on? And I'm not going to tell you the answer to that. If you didn't see it, you'll have to go back and watch it because the Lord gave it to to us in a way that it needs to be developed. Uh, You need to see the big picture of it. But what in the world is going on is answered in the Word, right? But one of the things that we need to see is a lot of thinking that we have, a lot of thinking that we have has been taught to us not by the Holy Ghost, but by God. But by the world, I mean. We need to have it by God. That's who we need to have our thinking taught from. And we'll sit there and we'll argue and fuss. And no, I don't want to do it God's way. No, I'm not going after faith. No, I just don't like that. I just And we'll argue and fuss. And what we're doing is the same thing the prodigal son did. Because think about what level of not turning back towards God it had to take until he looked at pig's food and went, Man, I'd like to eat that. He'd rather look at pig's food and think, I'd like to eat that, than to accept the thinking and the ways of God. That's what it is. I'd rather get to the place where I'm so low, and, but I'm, I have my way and my thinking, instead of just turn to a loving father. Can you see this? So this is not only, you know, if you're not, rebelling against God then this is easy for you to accept but at the same time sometimes we got still some other little thinking over here we got some little thinking that we still just hadn't quite laid on the altar yet and we don't realize that it's always going to hold us low and so there's some ceilings there there's some thinking that we need to break through so that we don't walk on the bottom and trodden underfoot by men who rule in an evil way but no we have the freedom and the liberty of Christ because he's our king we're in this world but not of this world and we live by a different set of laws a different set of blessing a different set of anointing a different set of joy a different set of peace you know glory to God one one of the greatest examples I've seen recently is uh, Kevin and Julie Buck they had a challenge if you don't know it and if they don't mind me sharing a little bit and put them on the spot because whether they mind it or not here it comes all right open up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they had a, he had a word that came out from the Lord things are changing he was like oh good they need to change well little did he know that the thing that changed was he didn't have a job a few months later right and I watched them and you know what if all of a sudden in the middle of the year like we had last year you don't, not only is all this stuff going on, but now all of a sudden you don't have a job. Right? All of a sudden it doesn't look pretty anymore. And, and I watched them, watch this, I watched them sit there, and it wasn't that they weren't challenged, it wasn't that thoughts didn't come, but I watched the peace of God sit on them for months. Lord, we're going to, we believe in you. 
We trust in you. Now, what would most of the world be doing in that situation? Oh, God. Oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, whoo. Oh, oh, Jesus. You know, the world would be flipping out. Oh, they get real holy after a while when they got hungry enough. They get real holy a lot of times. But see, they were going after Jesus before. They didn't wait till that situation. No, they were all in with the, with the Lord before. They were sowing. They were, they were doing what they needed to do. They were sowing their life. And I watched the joy and the peace. I've watched a lot of people go through different things like that over these last 12 years. But this one stuck out. It was a good job. Like I, don't, I haven't seen much, many times where the peace and the joy has been on somebody so evidently as it was them. And I knew, see here's what I know as a pastor. They're going to win. The, the word's true. They're going to win. How? I don't know how they're going to win. I just know they're going to. They've already got it. You can tell by the way they're walking. They're not walking like they're beat down. They're walking, Lord, how can we serve you? How can, how can we even keep sowing into you? What can we do? Lord, we just love you. We, Lord, we know it's going to work out. It wasn't that challenges didn't come. See, that's the difference. When we start thinking God's way, we're going to do things that to a lot of people look illogical. But a lot of times, see, we want to hold on to, we want to hold on to the logic of the world instead of the logic of trusting a loving father. This young man, this prodigal son, he trusted the logic of spending everything he had to have his own way instead of trusting the loving heart of his father. When we trust the loving heart of our father, it puts us in a different place. And one thing I want you to see in this last verse that I read, and I want, watch this, verse 16. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. Now, watch this. No one giving anything to him was the Lord. Because we see the answer come about in the next verse. The answer that he needed was the next verse, which is verse 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? Now, you look at his own words. He had actually started to go into starvation. Because his worldly thinking kept him in the pig pen. So I'm talking to people today that if they've ever been in the pig pen, they're never going back in Jesus' name. Does anybody ever see that? I'm never going back. Shout it with me. I'm never going back to the low of the world. But we got to think like God thinks. And what I want you to see this. What would have happened... You must be pick on Chris today. Come here, Chris. Uh, let's say that he's a prodigal son. And let's say that he's getting hungry. He's getting hungry. He's getting hungry. Amen. Yeah, he's getting hungry. And, and while he's getting hungry, let's say that we have a goody two-shoes Christian. Oh, I got here. 
Here, I got you some, I got you some food right here. You look hungry. Let me feed you, right? And then he would have had a meal. But has his, has his mind changed? Now, is it the Christian's job to figure out whether his heart is right or not? No. What does the word say? What does the word say about somebody who's poor? This man's starving of hunger. What does the word say about, about the poor? What should we do to the poor? Huh? Feed the poor. So should we feed them or not? He's hungry, he's starving. Should I feed him or not? Let me ask you a question in the big big picture. Does he need a meal or does he need to wake up? He's got all the food he wants. He's got an inheritance back at his father's house. What is let's put up on the screen 1 Corinthians 13:3. See, we always need to look at the full counsel of the word and not just take one verse. I watch a lot of Christians make these mistakes. And they think that they're helping when they're actually hurting. Because every meal that I give him, he stays in the same mindset. Every meal I give him, he stays in the same mindset. Now, we're to be led just like Jesus was. There is a command to feed the poor, but you have to understand that feeding the poor is not an absolute across every poor. Look at this, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 13. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. That means there's going to be a place. Now watch this. Even if I give all my possessions, that seems like a really good thing to do. I'm going to give all my possessions and feed the poor. See, people a lot of times will take scriptures out of context and they don't realize you know, what they're doing. So like they'll take in Mark chapter 10 when it talks about the rich young ruler, they'll take that and say, well, Jesus told this man to sell everything and give it to the poor. Why? Because every believer is supposed to sell everything and give it to the poor? No, that's not it. Many many ministers, when they first go into ministry, uh, they think that's what they're supposed to do because they heard some preaching about that. That's not. If God tells you directly like he told the rich young ruler, then you should do that. But if God hasn't spoken that, that's not what you do. That's not an absolute for everybody. And this verse proves it because he says, if, if you give all your possessions to the poor and have not love, that means I give all my possessions to the poor and there's no love in it. That means God's not in it. Because God is love. And so there's been a whole lot going on that God didn't call for. That where we sit... Where we sat there and said, well, they're hungry, I need to feed them. Do you? And he actually says, if you will give, if you give all your possessions to the poor and you have not love. Now let me just give this to you. Uh, Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So one of the portions of love is not just that we're giving out everywhere. If that was the case, Luke would say, well, you don't love me if you don't give me ice cream every meal. Well, that we know that's lunacy. Well, some parents today do. Sorry. 
So some parents don't know that today. Your kid doesn't determine. They're the immature one. You're the mature one to teach them how to live like Christ. You don't give them everything they ask for. Actually, it's good to tell them no. You know? I mean, right now, you, it, let, me, let me prove to you that a good, loving father will tell you no. Right now, I want everybody in here, just turn your eyes towards heaven. Say, Jesus, Jesus. give me right now, give me right now. A, brand new, a brand new, fully decked out, Lamborghini. I didn't hear nothing in the parking lot. Now, it's not that God won't give you the Lamborghini. He will. He'll fully decked out one. He'll give every person in here one. He'll say yes, but here's what he says. He says, beloved above all things, I wish that you prosper. That's part of that prospering and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. The issue is many of us are not in the position to receive it because we would do the wrong thing with it. We would do the wrong thing with it. In other words, the father just said, okay, I'll give it to you, but no, not right now. No, not right now. Now, that's not for everybody because there's some people that might be in here that actually you are in the position that you could do it. But the truth is you don't really want it. You're just saying what I told you to say. My point is, the father would be like, no, you can't handle that right now. Or if you said, Lord, right now give me $50 million, how many people would receive? <laughs> yes, sir. I would receive it well. Are you, are you spiritually prepared for that? How many people... How many people honestly think if you got $50 million right now, it may, could, possibly, maybe ruin you? Now, here's the thing. God knows what we can handle and what we can't. And see, it, it, and the truth is, there's probably some people in here right now that if he did give you $50 million, it wouldn't ruin you. And so he could give that to you. But my, my point is, do we know everything God knows? No. And so is he just going to give you ice cream for every, every meal? Is he going to give you everything that your flesh wants? No. So in other words, like, well, I'm poor. I don't have $50 million. I'm poor right now. Lord, feed me. Give me that $50 million. That's not the way it works. But see, we think, we just, see, we think it's different because it's $50 million. Thank you for standing up here. No, I'll, I'll be back in a minute. Hey, we think it's different because it's $50 million. It's not. See, every meal that came into that prodigal son, he didn't know how to deal with it properly. One meal. Why? Because his heart was so sold out to the world. His heart was so sold out to the world that one meal would not cause him, a uh, lack of that meal would not cause, that one meal taking it in would cause him to not wake up. And what he needed more than anything was to come to his senses and wake up to the reality of what his father's inheritance had. He needed to wake up. So many times people are sitting there and they just think, well, God must not want me to have it because he's not giving it to me not right now. No, God wants you to have it, but he wants us to get into the place where we actually have it. It doesn't have us. We've got to get to that place of waking up where our soul prospers, 
We've got to get to the place where we actually are able to handle the things of God. And when we can get up to that place, then he can release some things. Many of us are not flowing in millionaire status because we haven't given ourselves to grow up to be, know how to handle it. I'm going to give you another example of that. So watch this now. What the prodigal son needed was to wake up. He needed to wake up. And so every goody two-shoe that thought they know what the word means and says, that gave a, a meal, thought they were given love, God shows us that there's a period of time where you give something and God's not in it. Love's not in it. Even though it looks like, well, they're hungry. He's starving. But what he needed more than a meal was to wake up. He needed more than a meal was to wake up. Because as soon as he wakes up, what does he have? Everything the father has. As soon as he wakes up, he can have the Lamborghini, he can have the millions, he can have all that stuff as soon as he wakes up. Now, for us, you might not be starving because you follow the ways of the world, but for us, sitting here today and listening online, it can be that there's a few little items that we're still thinking the world's way and they're holding us in the pig pen when God wants to break us out. And we got to say, Lord... Shine the light on my life. Show me what I need to fix. Because if you'll show me what I need to fix, then I can step over into this place where you have blessed it and then the Lord can pour out his inheritance. The Lord can pour out that inheritance. God wants to pour out. I want you to see something. God wants to pour out an inheritance on you Stronger than you can ask or think. Bigger than you can imagine. God wants to pour out his inheritance. See, it's not the Lamborghini or the million dollars that he won't give you. It's what's holding us in the pig pen so we can't handle it. What's holding us there? Now, this is important for what's coming up. So every person that came along and fed him a meal prolonged his time in the pig pen. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So the key to what we give always comes back to, Lord, what are you telling me to do? Holy Ghost, show me what to do. Show me what to give. Do I give to this person or not? You know, what did that look like? Thank you, sir. What did that look like in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, we had a couple of widows one widow, her husband had been a prophet and the husband had passed away. And now the widow was left with all this debt and the, and the debt collector was going to come and take the three sons and put them into slavery because she owed the debt from her husband, not her, her husband. And what does the, what does the man of God say? What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? In other words, what he's saying is, I want you to give to me what you have. Now, wait, what? That doesn't sound right. She's already 
already low. She's already about to have her sons go into slavery. And the man of God saying, give me what you have. See, that doesn't make worldly sense at all. It doesn't make worldly sense. And this is one of those ways, if we don't understand the ways of God, God can give you stuff, but you'll lose it. You won't, or it'll turn you in a way you don't need it to go. But if we'll get our thinking with God, all of a sudden we'll get in a place where God will give you Lamborghini. He'll give you the $50 million. It won't turn you because you've given yourself for your mind to be renewed in that way. And now you can have the fullness of your inheritance. And which one of us here thinks exactly like God? I don't know any of us in here, including me, of course. So which one of us has work to do? See, the person that says, I don't have any work to do, that's the dangerous position. That's the dangerous position. But when you see the ways of God, go to another widow. What, what happened? The widow and her son, there's a famine in the land. The widow and her son, they're gonna, they've got one uh, piece of flour left to make meal, and they've got the sticks to make a fire. They have enough food for one more meal, and they're dying. And the, and the woman says this, I'm going to make this one last meal, and my son and I are going to die. What does the man of God tell him? <laughs> the man of God goes, don't feed yourself, give it to me. Now what would the world do with that today? And you know, I've said it before, can you see the headlines? Preacher takes widows and sons last meal. And you imagine, imagine what the headlines would say, not just once, but that would be repeated all over the world. But yet that's Bible. What was the end of the story? Like Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. What was the rest of the story? All of a sudden, the meal didn't run out. He ate a meal, they ate a meal. And then they kept on eating a meal. And it was supernatural. There was a supernatural, like the story that I was telling earlier with, with uh, Kevin and Julie. All of a sudden, you know, they put their faith in God. It's not going to run out. God's going to bring it to pass. He's going to supply. But see, that's the supernatural kingdom wisdom that's not the logic of the world. But when we follow the logic of the world, we're always going to go to lack. But when we follow the, the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God, we're always, He's always going to take us to increase. He's always going to take us to that place. Every time. This young man followed the world's thinking. See, we've got to figure out in our head, who am I going to follow? Like Elijah said, you know, how long halt ye between two opinions? How long are we going to sit here and think we know what we're talking about? Or are we going to turn to the Word, turn to God, and say, Lord, I trust you. You are my King. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. And see, if we're sitting there between the two, we got to ask the question, who really is my Lord? What the world has taught me or God? Because if I'm not following His ways, is He really Lord? Is he really Lord? Now I want you to see this. All of a sudden in verse 17 it says that prodigal son because nobody had fed him. See many times, many times we've had it where people come up in the church 
and they'll say, hey, I need this, and I need you to pay this, and I, you know, I'm asking the church to pay this bill and pay this bill. Listen, here's what we always do, whatever God tells us to do, because God knows where that person's at. See, I wouldn't know where the prodigal son is, but God knows where his heart is. God knows where his mind is. God knows that. And if the Lord said to feed the prodigal son, I would feed him. But if God said, don't feed him, I'll sit there and watch him get hungry to the point of starvation because God said no. And you got to have that kind of resolve in you for the things of God. you got to have that kind of resolve. It's not God's to pour out everything you have in every place. God will tell you exactly where as you have relationship with him. And there have been some people, and I mean they are in destitute situations, and they said, please just give us to us one more time. And we say, no, we can't. Why can't we? Because the Lord has instructed us not to. What does that mean generally? Generally it means there needs to be a waking up. A waking up. Generally, not. I won't say that's an absolute, but generally there needs to be some type of, of waking up that needs to happen in that person. That's why God's saying no. Why? Hey, listen, don't, don't ever save people from the conviction of God. Don't save people from the conviction of God. I watch parents many times. They try to make it easy on their, on their child when the child is in rebellion to God and they try, well, it's just so tough on them right now. No, the conviction of God's tough on their flesh right now. Let them sit. Let them sit. That's the Lord dealing with them. Let them sit in the conviction. God's trying to get them into his inheritance. Let them sit. Many times, but we think it's love, you know, to powder coat all of their life. No, that's not love. You teach them the realities of life. You teach them the ways of God. It's not love to buffer everything. All right, when they're, when they're five, okay, but you don't, you don't buffer their rebellion when they scream and throw a tantrum or else you're going to have a teenager at 15 that will do much, much worse. No, you don't, you don't wait till then. You don't wait till they're 10 years old. Oh, well, that's just their personality. No, that's rebellion, actually. That's rebellion. And if it's this way at 10 and it's already on everybody else's nerves, imagine when they think they know something at 15. No. And so you have to understand, boy, today's talking a lot about authority. It's interesting. But these are the things that will keep us. See, had this prodigal son known these things, he would have never gotten to the place of starvation. He would have never gotten to this place. I want you to watch this, though. Watch this. Could the father have gone and saved the prodigal son and brought him home? But did he? And that's a loving father that let him sit there in that place. Change your mind, change your heart, son. Come home at any time. The father wanted him home. He never wanted him to go. We see that at the end of the story. The father wanted him there. He wanted him there bad, loved him so much. All it took, watch this, here's all it took, and life completely turned for the prodigal son. One heart change. Okay, Lord, I'm going after you. He said, Lord, let me go to my father's house. Look at this, verse 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here 
with hunger, with hunger. Even the servants of my father's men have it, have it really, really good. But yet I'm here dying of hunger, looking at pig's food, thinking it looks good. Watch this. What did one heart change do? For some people today, it's just your one heart change away. You're one heart change away. You get to the place where he comes down here and, and he says, I, he says, verse 18, I will get up, go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Now, that wasn't true. That was his still worldly thinking. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But it was humility. He was wrong in that, but it was humility. You see a heart change there. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His father, listen, the son didn't have it all right yet. He hadn't arrived home. He was still a long way. Anybody stepped into church and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't even feel like going to church. I feel like such a hypocrite. I know I got so much stuff to change in my life. I got so many things to change in my life. I don't even want to step in the doors. I don't want to be a hypocrite. And, and the devil will say, you don't need to go back till you get it all fixed. Well, where do you think you're going to get it fixed? <laughs> That's like saying don't go to the doctor or the hospital when you're sick. You know, it's, it's like silly, you know. In the world's way of thinking, just using a worldly example, right? We go to Jesus and we walk in divine health in Jesus' name. But what I'm saying is you go to the hospital to get healed in the world's way of thinking. You go to church to get fixed. You don't, you go there because you have been a hypocrite. You don't wait till you stop being a hypocrite to go till you're perfect to go because then you'd be like God. You go there to grow up. The, the purpose of the church in Ephesians 4 is to grow us up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. But many times that's a, that's a deception the devil uses. But I want you to see the heart of the Father right here. He said, when he was still a long ways off. When he was still a long ways off. In other words, he said, I see you ain't got it right yet. I see you still got a lot of stuff to work on. But I see you far way off. And I got compassion for you. All he needed was one heart change of a son that would say, Lord, I need you. Father, I need you. I need your house. And turn that one little heart change, that one little bit of humility, instead of standing up in pride for the ways of the world, one heart change. And the father saw him and his compassion, his compassion immediately reached out to the son. And the, not the son, but the father started taking off toward him. He runs to him, puts his, and you got, he smelled like pigs. And the father said, look at him. He wasn't perfect. He didn't have it all together. He just turned his heart. And the father sat there and went, oh, my son, put a ring on his finger. Take my coat, put it on him. All of a sudden, this son was received right back. One heart change. What did it take? What did it take? The son in the pig pen. Watch this. <laughs> I'm starving of hunger. That pig's food, that filthy, unclean pig, even his food looks good to me. No, none of the church has brought me any meals. That's how a lot of people have thought because they're thinking like the world. No, it's not his fault he's there. It's the church's fault. 
Well, nobody has brought me. All they had to do was just go by McDonald's and bring me a happy meal, just a happy meal. That's all I want. No, it's, it's not everybody else's fault. We got to deal with ourselves. Paul to Timothy. Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Timothy, work on yourself. Timothy, pastor, Timothy, your job is not to just work on everybody else. Timothy, work on yourself. It's not everybody else's fault. Look at, Lord, I, I, I got responsibility for me. What happened? He looked around and he thought, the inheritance at my father's house is better than even the slaves, even the servants at my father's house is better than this. And something happened. There was a resolve that took place. And he awoke. And in the context of it, this is not my inheritance. This is not where I belong. This is not my inheritance. I don't belong here. I'm not supposed to be starving. Yeah, I messed it up. Yeah, I screwed all of that up. But this is not my inheritance. I'm called to walk higher, to live in a higher place. I'm called to live like his glory, like he is royalty. You are called a priest. You are a child of God. This average, this mediocre is not our inheritance. And there was an awakening in the child of God. There's an awakening for you today in the child, children of the Father. This is not my inheritance. I will not live this way any longer. But you have to have, it's just like if a lawyer, let's say that you did have a $50 million inheritance. And the lawyer went out on the streets and he found you starving in an alleyway. And he told you, are you such and such? And you said, yeah, that's me. And all of a sudden, you, you said, he said, you have an inheritance. Did you know that? No, I didn't know I had an inheritance. And he said, well, if you'll come and sign these papers, you have a $50 million inheritance. Here's the thing. When we get to that place and we look around at it, we, we got to understand that the lawyer that finds that man, that man first needs to believe the lawyer. You have an inheritance that's bigger than this. See, we can read through this Bible and we can read in Ephesians 1.3, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You can go to 2 Peter chapter 1 and you can see that through knowledge of God that he's granted to you already everything pertaining to life and godliness and he's made you a partaker or a partner with the divine nature did you know that God has made you a partner with the divine nature of God you're designed to carry his glory this is your inheritance you can go into Ephesians you can go into Ephesians uh, chapter 1 at, at the bottom where Paul says, I'm praying this for you, that your eyes of understanding will be opened to see what? 
to see what your inheritance is. To wake up from the average. Wake up from the pig pen. Go and all of a sudden you see that you have an inheritance. On what level? The same level. The surpassing greatness of resurrection power that brought Jesus back to life. You have an inheritance inside of you. You have an inheritance inside of every one of us. You have an inheritance inside of you. What kind of a her- inheritance? It's not just great. It's surpassing greatness. See, this, this person that would be sitting in the alleyway and the lawyer comes, first they need to believe that the word is true. The second thing is they need to see the difference. Because what if that person didn't understand money, didn't understand that 50 million is different from 50? If if they thought it was the same, what difference does a million make to a person that doesn't understand money? See, many believers have been sitting in a place of average, a place of mediocrity, and God said, I got an inheritance for you. I have something for you. And we've been sitting there like, what does that mean? You want to fill us with your glory. What does that mean? I don't know. Let's ask that question. Let's define so that we can be like the prodigal son. And when we look around at our average life and what God would say, you're just living on the low levels. Come up here. Come up here. And all of a sudden we look around we're like, yeah, this does stink. This is like starvation compared to the inheritance that God has for every believer. Compared to that, this is like the pig pen. God's calling a church to come up to an inheritance. But he needs the church to stop eating the scraps of the world. And what are the scraps of the world? The scraps of the world may be just enough to pay your bills. He needs the church to wake up and say, this is not my inheritance. I'm called to hire. Why? Because I'm so great. No, because Jesus was so great. I'm called to hire. I'm called to hire. This is not my inheritance. I will not have it. Jesus paid for it. I won't walk this way. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the glory of God. My inheritance is to not walk by people all my life and have no effect. No, your inheritance is to be clothed with the glory. You know, angels should look at us again today, now redeemed through Christ. And they should say, oh, what is a man? What is, what is mankind that the Lord made him to carry his glory like this? What has been is not our inheritance. This church has walked in more than most. More than many. (laughs) But we barely left the pig pen. It's time to go home to the Father's house. It's time that, all right, we're not there yet. We don't have everything cleaned up. But let the compassion of the Father search us down as we make one heart change. And the compassion of the Father turn towards us. Put the robe on him. Kill the fatted calf. Put the ring of authority on his finger. This is my child. Crown us, Lord, with your glory. Same thing. I, I make this cry for all of us today. Lord, show us your glory. When Moses asked that question, without Jesus, the glory of the Lord came on him. 
He, pr- he prayed and fasted on the mountain. No food, no water, 40 days. I'm not telling you to go out there and do that. I'm just saying there was an anointing, a supernatural anointing that came on his life. The glory covered him so much. He was lit up so much like a light bulb. People were scared of him. This average that we've lived so far, when is it going to hit the church? This is not my inheritance. When's it going to wake us up? And we're going to look around and see that the reality we've been living versus the reality of that word. This is not my inheritance. This is not where I'm called to live. And I'm doing Jesus a disservice by saying that this is okay. It's not. This is not my inheritance. Lord, let your glory bring heaven to earth. I pray just like you told us us to pray. Lord, right now. Let your will be done on earth in my life as it is in heaven. Let me not be held back. Lord, let me be and walk in my inheritance, Lord. That surpassing greatness, Lord. The surpassing greatness. Not just greatness, but surpasses that. Beyond all that we can ask or think. Filled with his glory. Filled with his anointing. Believers laying hands on the sick and they are recovering instantly. Casting out devils. Speaking in tongues. Raising the dead. Healing the sick. Lord, let your normal come on us. But Lord, let your normal not even be an average thinking of what your normal is. Let the reality of your normal be in our lives. Father, where we've been living, this is not our inheritance. I have to wake up that I have one. I have to believe that what God said is true. I have to see the difference between where we have been and where God wants to take us. He says this beyond all that you can ask or think. When's the last time you lived in one of those things that you couldn't even think before? Like, I'm, I'm living a pretty good life. Nicole and I are living a pretty good life, but I could think through all this before. I could imagine all of this. I could imagine these things. This was easy for me to imagine. Where's the, I can't even imagine it. I can't even think. Where are those things? That's where my inheritance is. That's where your inheritance is. Not with just getting by. Not with having enough. You know, he's the God of not just enough. More than enough. More than enough. Where's that overflow? Where's not just somebody shaking on the floor, but the presence of God coming into a room and knocking us all out under his presence. See, let us not just get it individually for each one of us, but let us as a church grab a hold of an inheritance from the compassion of a father's heart that wants to be with his children and he wants to do it all for them. But let us not be the people that think that we're just going to walk into it the way we've been living life. We've got to give up the pig pen. Get it, and the pig pen represents our thinking. We've got to give up the pig pen. See, not one person hearing this message, even if they were a billionaire, should think that their thinking hasn't been the pig pen. When God is so great 
and so mighty. Even where we've been has been the pig pen. Lord, let us see what we've had. This is not our inheritance. What did it take? What did it take? One heart change. Are you tired of seeing the average and the mediocre? See, one of the biggest problems I've found in people is that they, they don't think their life is average or mediocre. All it takes is somebody that has more to walk in and start talking about their life, and then that person will realize, oh, maybe I have been at a lower level. Hear this. Ephesians 1. He prays this. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Just pray this with me right now. Just say, Jesus, open up my eyes. Let me have revelation about the knowledge of my inheritance. And let me not be held back. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, the joy, the confidence, the expectation of what he's called you to. Not one person in here has a plan that shouldn't put a smile on your face. And maybe that's not what you've been living up to this point. But I mean, it should put such a, when you think about what God's called you to, you ought to just start to smile with the joy of the Lord, with the confidence, with the expectation, with the expectation. Oh, God's about to do something big. He's about to take us to an awakening. It's time for an awakening. And I'm going to be awakened. I'm giving myself to an awakening. Lord, awaken me. To the hope of your calling. To Now listen to this. This is not man defining this. This is the Holy Spirit defining this. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches. The Holy Ghost. This is not man with his own ideas about earth. This is the Holy Spirit who's seen the riches of heaven. Who's seen the depths of God who's seen the depths of the goodness of God, the depths of your inheritance. This is the Holy Spirit saying that I want you to know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. This, this is not just like earthly riches. Oh, this is riches of the glory. That anointing is hitting people now. You realize this is not my inheritance. I'm going up. I won't be held back. He says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are on this level, are in accordance with the working of the strength and might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. What's the level of this inheritance? The same power that reached into the grave and brought a completely dead man woof, back to life. Resurrection power is your inheritance. Why are, we, why are we having trouble with a cold? Resurrection power. See, all of us have some stuff to work on. We've accepted the average pig pen. 
instead of going after the inheritance of a loving father. Resurrection power. And then he put all things under his feet. And authority on this earth. Many people ask me this week, you know, how come we can pray and not see things happen in this country? Now, first of all, who said nothing happened? There's probably some things that happened that we're unaware of. There's still things that are happening that we're unaware of. But part of it is that most of the church doesn't know their inheritance of authority in their prayers, including me. I'm praying that my eyes are open more and more and more. Let's grow together. Do I have a church this morning that recognizes that the average, even if your life has been good, you recognize that the average has still been the pigpen and you're ready to go to a different place. Lord, this is not my inheritance. Just close your eyes right now. Lord, this has not been my inheritance, but I'm going forward into that inheritance thank you father thank you lord thank you father lord I need this inheritance that you've spoken of I need this inheritance thank you father I won't be held back if that's the cry of your heart lord lord what did it take? Hear this. What did it take? One heart change. It set him on a path back to his father's house. And at a far distance, the compassion of the father hit him. At a far distance, the love of a loving father wrapped his coat around him, fed him, put the ring on his finger and he stepped back into his inheritance Lord right now just, just close your eyes for a second just pray this with me say Jesus let me see the fullness of my inheritance in Christ let us have it this morning in Jesus name hallelujah thank you father if that heart cry is yours, I ask you to come up to the altar. Make that, do what this young man did. Put your heart on the line. Make a commitment. Change your location in Kona. Change your location. Lord, where I've been living is not my inheritance. Where I've been living is not my inheritance. Where I've been living is not my inheritance. I won't be held back any longer. One heart change. Thank you, Lord. 